0: one of the most encouraging things for uh, a Christian is to hear somebody else's story, is to hear how um, someone else came to know and trust Jesus and to hear the things that are in common with your story and hear the things that are completely different from yours. And so we're gonna hear uh, from James, from Pat, and from Jason as they tell us their stories uh, and how they came to know and uh, trust the Lord Jesus. So, James, wanna come up to the front? No. I mean, we've got roving microphones. We can... Over to you, James. So my normal spot is right at the back. I'm very uncomfortable here. My name's James. Something Simon said recent, uh, recently really stood out. It's not about me. me. To get to know who it is about, though, you will have to hear about a bit about me. and mm-hmm. I'm Sorry for that. Anyway, how's it? If you can't quite place my accent, I was born in Zimbabwe when it was known as Rhodesia and grew up on a farm in the north of the country. As a family, we went to a local church and I was christened in the Anglican tradition as a child. I went to Anglican junior and senior schools and I was confirmed toward the end of my school years. From the outside, one might be forgiven for thinking I lived a charmed life with everything anyone might ask for. Good family, beautiful home, food on the table, great schooling, a life full of adventure, holidays around the world, good friends, and a close community. I am also a victim of mental abuse. It's deeply cruel because there's no external evidence. Many have found it hard to believe, and on occasion, I have been made to feel a fool for suggesting it was even happening. Ultimately, this led to a very lonely existence, one filled with self-doubt, self-loathing, selfish introspection, growing depression, and an inability to love. I found it hard to appreciate the very evident blessings in my life. After school, I turned to various worldly pursuits and teachings of different religions to provide meaning for life and an escape from the hurt inside. Every avenue provided only temporary relief from the mess. I did eventually come back to the Bible because I recognized its truth. I even called myself a Christian, but the way I lived would have turned anyone away from Jesus. In 2001, I moved to England, but still unable to find reason or hope, my life descended into a numb, disengaged struggle to get through each day, and I made endless poor choices. In late 2013, things went monumentally wrong. My wife left and subsequently divorced me. My dad died after a battle with cancer in Zimbabwe. (laughs) An accident which meant I couldn't work for six weeks. Being self-employed I had no income for that time. And the pressure of all these things piling on top of an already poor mental state caused such trauma that I completely broke down. No one could convince me of it. me of any reason to keep going and I was certain everyone, including my children, would benefit from not having me around. My sister, in whom I was confiding, couldn't help physically because she lives in Australia. In a moment of desperation she gave me a lifeline by suggesting I see my doctor. He is a good friend and a Christian, something that struck me immediately. Anyway, by the next morning he'd arranged for me to get into NHS-funded counselling, which started within two days. Early in my road to recovery, worldly lies continued to drive a lot of my motivations. One hangover from my years of depression saw me working on things that would improve how I appeared to the world. On some levels, the effort distracted me from the introspection, so it wasn't all negative, but it was exhausting. And there was always something bigger to aim for, so there was no rest available to me. What I came to realize in the day-to-day struggle after the worst times of my depression was that although I believed in God, I didn't have a personal faith. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. For me, the Bible was a great guide to living one's best life. Unfortunately, having a good guide for life gave no hope, reason, or purpose. I couldn't quite get to the place of peace and hope that Jesus promises. In 2020, I watched The Chosen. While my scientific reasoning and reading of the Bible hadn't brought to life Jesus' love for us, this show did. Human love had failed me for so long, I hadn't given godly love a chance. His love doesn't vary depending according to my performance. His is a love that focuses on community togetherness, forgiveness and acceptance. Starting to believe that Jesus loves me in spite of my brokenness allowed me to start believing I'm worthy of my place in this life. <clears throat> John chapter three, verse 16 really helped at the time, and I'm sure it's helped countless others. Jason, are you reading this later? Okay, I'll leave, I'll leave it for you. I've got another section. Anyway. That's when my intellect stopped being the way to understand the Bible and my heart softened. I I got it. No longer did I just believe that the main character in the story lived 2,000 years ago. I knew that Jesus is God, my savior. I knew that I'm loved. Suddenly, life was filled with meaning and I found hope. And evidence of this was the fact that that day my depression ended. A condition I'd been made to believe would continue to afflict me for the rest of my life because of the mental scarring was just gone. I can find no explanation for that other than that God healed me. I did the Alpha course online while we were locked down and unable to worship together. The leaders of that group are a great witness to the love and hospitality of Jesus and the group as a whole has been very supportive. I believe that was God's protection over me because after coming to faith I was faced with spiritual battles which tried to distract me from the certainty of my salvation. The fellowship of the Alpha Group struck me profoundly, and a need to be part of a local church started to rise. Through a random meeting, I found there are no coincidences in the way God works. And Adam, this is a shout out to you. God is using you more than you'd like to admit. (laughs) I heard that Headley Park Church was reopening its doors to in-person services before many other churches. I started coming here as soon as we were allowed into the building in 2021. In spite of my terrible state of mind, a lot of incredible people have stood by me throughout. Many are here today, some have driven across the country and more watching online from around the world. I've been in the prayers of more people than I'm aware. Randall, (laughs) who's been a great friend since I was at school in Zimbabwe, will be in the water with me today, and he's driven across from East Anglia. I'm getting baptized as a public declaration of the new life I have in Jesus. Jesus was baptized. Baptism following belief is commanded numerous times in the Bible. I would have been much, much, much more comfortable doing it privately with a couple of friends in a local river. (laughs) Lockdowns prevented that from happening, and I'm sure that was not coincidental. Neil got a chance to convince me that a public baptism would be a great witness to the power of the Lord in my life, which might even help others. It's not about me, remember? So this is the story of how Jesus continues to work for good in my life, even using the bad, habit, uh, the bad bits for his purpose. Although I'm free from depression, I am still a sinner in need of a savior, needing to repent constantly for falling victim to the ongoing battle with the enemy's lies. This realization has led to an understanding that everyone is struggling with something. I'm able to start seeing what loving your neighbor and even your enemy looks like. I'm beginning to learn to trust, and even learning how to forgive my abuser Surely that is supernatural. I want to share with you another of the many incredible passages in the Bible which points to the love God has for us. Isaiah chapter 53. This is from the NIV translation and I'll only read a short section from the chapter. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. The rest of the chapter goes on to outline the whole of Jesus' life on earth. It was written between seven and eight hundred years before Jesus was even born. The Son of God chose to live as the lowliest of men. He who made everything, to whom everything owes its existence, walked this earth with none of the physical qualities that the world insists are important, the things that led to my depression and which I focused on. He took the burden of our sins on himself and died to set us free if we believe in him. Thank you, Jesus, for the peace and hope I find in you and for the support and encouragement of your extended family, my brothers and sisters. Great job, great job.